A quick note to our listeners. This episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic. We understand that the future may look a little different now, but we still want to share these passionate conversations. This is Mary Celeste Bell. Welcome to the Blackberry Podcast, where we'll dive into stories and knowledge of the incredible people that are part of the Blackberry story. You'll hear from longtime friends, amazing visiting personalities, and our own inspired team members. During our first ever Blackberry Mountain House Party, food and beverage director Andy Chabot connected with winemakers Annie Fabia Erickson and Andy Erickson to talk about their personal and professional journeys. Hear them talk about the world of wine and beyond in today's episode. I'm Andy Chabot, the director of food and beverage for Blackberry Hotel, and I'm here today with Annie Fabia and Andy Erickson of Fabia Wine and Erda Tea. So thank you both for being here. Oh, thank you for having Thanks us. For having us. Absolutely. Uh, truly an honor, really, to have such a superstar kind of power couple um, in-house for our house party event here at Blackberry Mountain. And uh, I really just wanted to kind of take a deep dive into what the two of you do and and how you do it and how you make it work, Uh, because it's it's really interesting to me. Uh, I, I also work with my wife, and so I know that there can be challenges and it can be, um, I'm interested to know how you do it. So uh, to begin with, if, if you could each, you know, say a little bit about what you do for, for Favia wine, uh, particularly. Well, so officially I'm the winemaker, but of course it's our family business. So we do a lot of everything, but um, the way we work together is the winemaking is my domain and the vineyard is Annie's domain. So I'll let her talk about the vineyard, but really we, we collaborate on everything. And so we do spend a lot of time throughout the year in the field. Um, Annie oversees the viticulture. But for me, you know, once the fruit comes into the winery, I'm in charge of making the wines. So fermentations, aging the wines, blending, bottling, all that stuff. So um, we, we, with the really important decisions, we work together in terms of like the final blends and the long-term view of what the style of wines should be and what wines we should be making. But um, the wine itself is, I guess, my my domain. Vineyard is my domain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm out in the field uh, all year long regularly, uh, basically checking the vineyards. Um, first, before we have the site, we're kind of out there scouting sites for uh, different areas we want to work in. And then um, once we have the vineyards that we're working with, um, it would be, you know, weekly we're out in the vineyard meeting with growers, looking at the conditions. We farm most of the vineyards organically. So, um, one of the organic farming is more intensive in that there are no quick fixes. So you really have to be in the vineyard all the time, seeing, seeing the way the, the vines are responding to the specific weather, weather patterns of the year. So you really have to be um, kind of looking with all senses, you know, feeling the vineyard, seeing it, listening to what's happening around you, using your nose, using, using every sense that you have to kind of see things as they're happening in the vineyard and being tuned into the whole the whole system, as it were. 
Absolutely. Uh, when we were talking yesterday, Annie, you mentioned organic farming as, as kind of preventative maintenance. If Could you dive into that just a little bit? It was a really interesting remark. And, um, and I was, I'd like to hear more. I, I was referring to, uh, you know, kind of an analogy with, with the human body, like preventative medicine, okay. um, meaning um, that you, you know, instead of waiting until you're sick and giving yourself medicine, you want to be kind of using that preventative kind of maintenance style of life where you're um, living healthy and you're, you know, drinking enough water and eating vegetables and getting enough sleep. Um, the same applies with organic farming where um, there aren't strong chemicals to fix quote unquote problems. So you have to kind of look at the system as a whole and um, look at how um, you can prevent problems from happening by increasing biodiversity or, you know, opening up your canopy to get more airflow through, through the canopy so that your, you know, your grapes aren't um, getting hu too humid. You know, mm -hmm. there's a million sure. ways that you can prevent problems from happening um, in organic farming and uh, biodynamic farming so that um, the problems actually don't even occur. Right. Right. And I suppose if they, if, if problems did occur, there's, you don't really have the reactionary capability time. or time. So you have to be on the, the front end of that. Yeah. Yeah. And Reaction. That was a good point because, um, being reactive in the vineyard never works. You have sure. to for sure, um, kind of be more methodical in your approach. And, um, that tends to create just more depth. Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, you obviously work together at, at your own family, you know, winery, but, uh, to back up a little bit, um, I mean, you, you both have pretty, I, I hate, you know, I hate to say it this way, but amazing resumes also. Um, where did you, where did you first come in contact? Where did you meet? Uh, how did you sort of, the you two know, of us, so how did we meet? Yeah. So, um, I first moved to Napa in 1994 and I was, um, living with two other friends. We had a great, like, restored old farmhouse outside St. Yes. Helena. It was probably the coolest like rural bachelor pad you could have. <laughs> we had this great kitchen and we threw great parties and, and that was really fun. But I mean, I came home from work one day and there's this girl in our kitchen and I went to my roommate and I said, who's that girl in our kitchen? And it turned out to be my future wife, but wow. that's really how we met. She was what were you doing friends with kitchen? my roommate <laughs> and she had just come home she came over to see her friend who was my roommate and that's how we met. So, wow. And were you, you were working in wine at the time, both of you or not? I was, I was working in the cellar, um, in Napa and Annie had just, she had been working in Napa and then she, you could tell the whole story if you want, but she decided to, uh, move to Hawaii to, um, I'm using air quotes now to be a sommelier. <laughs> Oh, wow. But she really moved there to surf. So basically that's <laughs> what happened. The truth comes out. The truth comes out. You surf and you are sommelier. I didn't, I didn't know this part about your history. So I would like to hear the whole story. I mean, Okay, please. sure. So um, I was working in the Napa Valley and um, wanted to make sure I kind of went through all the possible jobs there were in the wine business because... I knew in the back of my mind that someday I wanted to have 
a winery and I didn't know in what capacity, but um, I wanted to be able to try every job and see so um, see what it was like. So I would know kind of a cross section of the business. And I did love to surf. Um, mm -hmm. So I was actually uh, moving to Hawaii to work with uh, Randy Caparosa, who mm -hmm. was the wine director at Roy's, yeah. uh, the original Roy's in Hawaii Kai. Um, and he had kind of a very interesting wine program at the time because he was a big fan of Kermit Lynch and um, he loved small, organic, family farmed, um, you know, family owned and operated wineries, garage yeast wineries, you know, wineries that were part of Kermit Lynch's kind of ethos. And I had read the Kermit Lynch book and mm -hmm. wanted to work with Randy and also there's some great surf in Hawaii, so, obviously. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> so I had a great it. few months. I ended up falling in love with Andy that night. <laughs> <laughs> and we hung out for a couple of weeks and then I moved to Hawaii. And um, when she left, she said, I'm going to Hawaii for three years. And I was like, okay, that's great. Let's stay in touch. <laughs> years, yeah. And uh, about six months later, I was back. I started and we writing her together. letters, but the <laughs> key was, was mixtapes. I, I used oh, to send yes. her mixtapes. Yeah. Pretty cool. She came back six months later. And he's not mentioning, he wrote poetry. So I was reading poetry, listening to this music. He would send me flowers. It was too much. He was a full romantic. <laughs> I think it's amazing. It was a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, we can, you know, mixtapes and uh, letters and things. I mean, it's great. Uh, we were, I mean, that's an amazing story. So you came back from Hawaii. What did you do when you came back? Did you? Um, so I actually worked for Kermit Lynch that summer. Oh, okay. um, they had a job. I wanted to taste, uh, taste all those delicious wines. So I worked for him doing books, um, nice. which was amazing because at the time he did all of his books in this like giant paper ledger, and. Um, wrote every entry by hand with a with a pencil, a sharp pencil. It's where I got my love nice. of a sharp Ticonderoga, which we now have at our at our winery all over the place, sharp Ticonderogas. Anyway, um, so it was very manual. And I worked there until um till harvest time and then I worked with Kathy Corison. Okay. Um so I worked in the cellar for her and that's where I um really realized that I wanted to be in the vineyard because right when I started working with Kathy, she bought the Kronos Vineyard right. um, and it was this beautiful old head trained Cabernet Vineyard and we went out to prune and after that harvest and um, I realized that's what I wanted to do. So I went back to school and studied viticulture oh, wow. and okay. really d dug in deep from there. Gotcha. And organic farming. Um, well, my mom... Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Connecticut, and um, my dad was raised in Manhattan and wanted to have kind of the small farm life, and they really lived off the land, raised animals, and my mom grew all of our veggies, and I just saw what um, – she she actually gave me a book. She read this book when she was, she was young and had a young family, and it was always around at our house. It was called um, – Diet for a Small Planet. Okay. And um, it's an amazing book. You can still find it, but it's all about kind of small family farming. And I just knew that I wanted to kind of dig into that whole type of farming and lifestyle. Amazing. And does that translate to the wines, Andy? Do you, do you take an organic 
uh, approach once once you get you know the grapes in? Well, we definitely have a low tech approach to the winemaking. So, I mean, um, once the fruit comes in, we've been working in the vineyard all year, so we pretty much know what we've got. And our our approach is really to just try to bring forward what we get from the vineyard. So we're controlling the temperature, we're preventing oxidation of the grapes, but besides that, we're not really adding anything or taking away anything. So we will use native yeast when we can. We're not religious about it, but um, we don't fine or filter the wines. Um, I really think that just allowing the grapes to ferment and really following the, the tannin extraction and tasting the wine a lot through all the stages really helps you to understand what's going to happen later on with the wines. And so we don't do a lot of racking in the winery. You know, once the wines go to barrel, to me, they're pretty much made and we let them age for about 14 months before we put the final blends together. But during that time, we're really just doing quality control and letting the wines age. We just will let them sit in barrel. We don't move them around too much. And then, yeah, they go to barrel. I'm sorry, they get bottled after 20 to 22 months in barrel and without any sort of filtration or fining or anything like that. So, yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty natural process. That's excellent. So, how many how many wines do you make at Favia? And and also maybe the same, but possibly a different question. How many vineyards do you work with at Favia? And you do you farm them all, or do you work with other farmers? So we, in terms of the wines, we're really known for our four Napa Valley red wines, which are Cabernet Franc based and Cabernet Sauvignon. So we have two Cabernet Franc based wines, one from the southern part of Valley near in and around Coombsville, where we are. That's where our winery is. And then two of those, one Cabernet Franc and one Cabernet Sauvignon from Oakville. But we also make some Rhone style wines from Amador County, from a vineyard that Annie will tell you about Um Shake Ridge Vineyard that we've been involved with since the very beginning. And then, um, you know, we we planted a Sauvignon Blanc vineyard 10, 12 years ago that we make what I think is a really delicious Sauvignon Blanc from. And then uh, we, di- we we make a lot of different wines. <laughs> I mean, it's what we love to do. And so we, um, do we've even, we've I mean, even created a new label called Room. I don't know if you guys have had those wines, but, seen, yeah. but the idea yeah. there is it's, it's really fun for us. It's a, just kind of a rolling release of really interesting winemaking techniques, different appellations, different varieties, things that we don't do for Favia. So we've done, you know, we've done 125 year old Carignan. We've done, um, old, Vine Chardonnay, we've done Morvedra, we've done Pinot Noir from the Marin Coast. I did an orange wine that was skin-fermented semillon that was in barrel for seven years. I mean, we've just done really kind of funky stuff, and it and it's fun. And it's there's small production, and it's you know sold through the website mostly, but that's pretty fun. So I always say we we reserve the right to make any wines we want to make. I like so that. Even though, so even business. though we, yeah. even though we're known for a few wines, we have so many different wines that we like to make and we do make. So it's fun. I'm sure it keeps it interesting, <clears throat> you know, as well. And then, oh yeah, it's very interesting. And then in terms of the vineyards, I mean, Annie's overseeing the, the vineyards we work with. We work with. Uh, so we work with f- mostly hillside vineyards around the Napa Valley. Andy and I have had the opportunity to be able to look kind of up and down the valley for the last, I mean, we've been in the valley for 25 years. So um, we've found that we love the wines from Coombsville and love the wines from Oakville. 
in particular um, because they both have such a strong identity and they also have, they're so different. Um, the Coombsville wines being further south, closer to the San Francisco Bay, San Pablo Bay, closer to, to the Pacific, um, have that cooling influence while the soils are still all volcanic. Mm -hmm. So all the wines that we make are on the east side of the valley and they're all, as I mentioned, hillside. Um, and the Coombsville wines are interesting because their character is um, almost savory. They have more of a, I don't know, how do you describe it? Like a... Uh, I think it's, you know, for Cabernet Sauvignon, there's that side of the flavor spectrum, which has more dried herbs and pencil lead and those kind of notes. And I think that mm -hmm. those things come forward in the wine, which I think is really cool, as opposed to the Oakville, which is the big blackberry cassis flavors, which are also, also really amazing, yeah. great. And that's what people really kind of expect from Napa Cabernet Sauvignon. So you put the two wines side by side, and it's really kind of an interesting contrast. Wow. And they really, you know, the way we farm, we want to show through that winemaking that's kind of minimal intervention. Um, it's it's really to show the personality. So wine is about sitting down and enjoying a moment with your friends and having a time where you're where you're really connecting and um, and it's fun to be able to have the wine on the table. So you're getting a sense of the place where it's from, from a specific time. So what was this vineyard doing, yeah. you know, this year? Was it a warm year? Was it a cool year? You know, what was happening? Was it a wet year or dry year? And all those different ways that, um, you know, the weather influences the way the wine turns out and then also the way the farming influences the way um, we reacted to those weather situations makes this wine. And then if you just kind of um, make the wine in a, in a way where, it shows itself the most, then we feel like that's the most interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's that where the fun sense. comes in. <laughs> and you mentioned the Shake Ridge uh, vineyard as well. Uh, describe that. Describe why that's important and why you've been working with that that vineyard and where yeah. it is. I met um, Ann Kramer um, in the 90s when I was um, one of the few women viticulturists in Napa, and she um, had been looking for a property for a long time and found one in the Sierra foothills. So that mm -hmm. is east of us on the next, you know, basically at the base of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Uh, it's about 2,000 foot elevation, and it's a, it's a really interesting area because it's very hilly. Mm -hmm. um, and we love working with all the diversity of microclimate that you can have when you're working with a very hilly property. So there we planted um, in 2000 and um, 2001, sorry. And then um, we uh, used the kind of the hillside aspect to be able to simulate conditions from northern Rhone and southern Rhone. So we sure. actually have... Um, right. almost a, you know, a coat roti style blend either with 100% Syrah or sometimes we add a little bit of Viognier or co-ferment some mm -hmm. Viognier some years. Although the Syrah has taken on such a purity of character that we blend that less and less. Mm. Um, but that grows on the north facing slopes, so sometimes the east facing wow. slopes. Okay. And then um, the Syrah, uh, excuse me, the Grenache and Morvedra grow on the south and west facing slopes where they're getting a lot more sun, 
a lot more sun immediately. Because it's high elevation, um, the intensity of light is really high up there. And in the morning, it gets very warm right off the bat. But at night, it cools down very quickly because there's that cold mountain air that pushes down. Sure. So um, the diurnal shift is is really large, and it makes um, it makes for that natural acid retention during the night. So you really get freshness in the wine um, and longer hang time. So those wines are really fun to make because they're you know we use whole cluster and we do all kinds of things that we would never do with Cabernet and Napa Valley. And so I think all those things kind of lend to the, to the whole, you know, idea of just trying to continue to learn. And, you know, you can learn a lot from making Grenache and Morvedra about making Cabernet. And that's why we love the new mm. room brand because yeah. every year, you know, you only get one chance to make wine. So if you're making more diverse wines from different areas, you're really learning mm. more about, you know, all that stuff comes back home so that we can get better and better and better about what we do on a day-to-day basis, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. That's a fun way to talk about it. And the whole idea that, you know, even like some of the best winemakers have only made <clears throat> wine, you know, 20, 30 times, you know, 20, 30 years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting topic um, sometimes to dive into. Uh, and now you're you're making wine at your own winery now. Uh, describe your, your new winery. It's great because we'd known about this property for over 10 years. It's a it's a old historic winery from the 1880s, built in 1886, and it was built by the Carboni brothers, who were some of the first Italian settlers to come to Napa Valley. Um, but we we loved the property, knew about it for a long time. We were able to buy it almost five years ago, and restored all the old buildings. And it's it's very small scale, and so we are making our wines there and and aging the wines there and it's and we live there right up above the cellar which is pretty unusual in napa it's very sort of old world and it's a great way to live and we love it and annie has her her vegetable gardens and we planted a fruit orchard we have old walnut trees and we planted olive trees so it's just a it's very blackberry-esque if you will i'd love that (laughs) and and you planted you know your herbs that you and he started making into um, tea infusions as well. What, um, what you know, was the drive behind that? You weren't being challenged enough? Or <laughs> were you? I do um, love to grow things, and, um, and grapevines um, are one of those things for sure. But I, I feel like, you know, just like we were talking about with, you know, making different varieties of wines from different regions, I think we can learn a lot about even growing I can learn something about growing Cabernet from growing peppermint. You know, Mm. what that is, I'm not sure. Um, But you learn something every time you you kind of put a plant in the ground. And um, I always loved fresh herbal infusions. And then I started drying herbs for friends. And I always drank tea with my mom. Um, she Mm. She would grow things. And I spent a lot of time with her being the youngest of six. And if I wanted to spend time with her, it was out in the garden because <laughs> that's where it was kind of her solace. Um, and she loved gardening more than anything. So that was where I got my most face time with her. So she would just, you know, grow whatever and, you know, mint or 
or different flowers, and she would just pick a handful, and we would go and have tea time. And that was a big part of our relationship was sitting and having tea and talking together or reading a book or snuggling or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. So um, tea has always been associated with positive things for me, and I wanted to always kind of pass that on to friends. So I started drying tea and jarring it, herbal teas and jarring it and um, giving it to friends and stuff for Christmas. And then everyone said, okay, it's time for you to actually do this for the world because it's so good and we want you to nice, share it. Right. And so um, that's when Erda was was born. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, so with everything you two have going on, I, I mean, where do you find balance? I mean, how how do you find balance? What do you do? Outside? I mean, you work together, you know, all the time, you know, wine and now tea, you know, that's part of your life, the family. How do you find that balance? What do you do? I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I think when you really love what you do, it's, it's not even really work. I mean, we work hard. We work a lot of hours, but it feels good because it's what we love to do. And we love to be outdoors. And so we go up in the mountains and we go hiking and we go skiing and we, you know, we're pretty active and we, you know, we, we live there. We, everything we do is there. We grow our own food mostly and we cook most nights. I mean, it's funny in Napa Valley, people, I think maybe would imagine that you, you go out to dinner at a restaurant every right. night, but we rarely do that. We, we have friends over, we cook dinner straight from the garden you know, we also have a great team of people that we work with now. Most of them have been with us for a long time. And so, as you know, I mean, you create a strong team. You can just do a lot together. And that's, I think that's just how we do it. Yeah. Just like you guys, um, you've been here since the first time we came in 2008. And oh, yeah. so, you know, sure. Kelly has been here for a long time and Melinda. And, you know, it's amazing. I love coming back here and having you guys um, all here smiling and knowing the wines and spreading the word and it's great. Absolutely. Well, we love having you here and thank you for bringing great wines, not just to us, but to the world. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Blackberry Podcast. Continue following the journey wherever you subscribe. Thank you to our guests, interviewers, and audience. Dive into more stories, videos, photos, and podcast episodes on theblackberrymagazine.com. Make a great day. Bye.